Welcome to the podcast series for the ESRC-funded International Centre for Life Course Studies in Society and Health at UCL. In today's podcast, Professor Tarani Chandola from ICLS and the University of Manchester talks about what life course research tells us about staying healthier as we get older. We know that people's life expectancies has increased. People are living longer than ever. They're not necessarily living you know, in the healthiest way possible. So you know, healthy life expectancies hasn't increased in the same way that life expectancy has increased. And so in order to help people have a healthy life expectancy, have healthier lives, they, they really need to get, be able to get out and about and, uh, and do the ordinary social activities that they, w- they would normally be able to do and that uh, age should not be a barrier to that. And why is a life course approach so important? Why can't we just look at people when they get old and, or when they get older and, and look at the problems that they face? Why is it important to look earlier in the life course as well sure. and indeed later? The life course perspective means uh, not just looking at later life, not just looking at earlier life, but looking at the whole lifespan and the whole range of factors that can affect people's health and development and aging process over the whole lifespan. And the reason why you know, looking earlier in life is important is because right from an early age we get set upon these trajectories of growth, of development, uh, which also impacts on how healthily we age, what happens to us when our physical health starts declining. And those trajectories get set pretty early on in life. But also, we know that there are things that happen in later life that can modify those, those trajectories. So even if you've had a, not such a great start in life, there may be things that can still be done in midlife or later life that can help you know, reduce the, the, the decline in physical health as people age. And what about some of the non-physical factors that, that, that are important here in, in helping to make sure that we can still get out and about when we, when we get older? Yeah, so there are two factors that we highlight in particular in the Never Too Early, Never Too Late booklet. The first one is, is about the importance of sleep, and that really has such an important role in childhood and growth and development, but also in later life, because we, we know that as, as people get older, they tend to have more disrupted sleep, they tend to have less sleep, but even then, some older adults that manage to have good sleep in later life, they have very good correlates in terms of their health and well-being, and they, they tend to decline less in terms of their physical health. So sleep is, is clearly very important all throughout life, but especially later life. And the other factor that we, we emphasize in, the, in, in this book is the, uh, is the role of the, the urban environment, uh, public transport in particular, and the designs of, of, of urban environments that help in active aging and creation of age-friendly cities that can help older people get out and about um, and do their activities, enable them to, to carry out daily activities. Tell us a bit about that public transport research because it's really quite, uh, quite interesting and has some findings that people might not quite have expected. So this is research done by my colleague Elizabeth Webb and she did some really interesting work looking at how public transport can perhaps slow the decline in walking speed. You know, so as we get older, it's quite natural that we tend to walk a lot slower but she found that as as people get get older they people who, who use public transport tend to have a, a slower decline in, in their walking speed so that is you know that suggests that you know using public transport could be really beneficial for this for preventing the decline in, in walking speed she also found that being a bus pass was associated with a slower decline in walking speed so that has a really strong policy directive because as we know that uh, people start qualifying for an older age bus pass 
loss by the time they, they reach state pension age, but reaching state pension age is increasing, so they're not quite qualifying for um, old age bus pass until a bit later than they used to. They also looked at the time it takes for traffic lights to change their lights and found that even the most healthy, the most advantaged older adults took on average longer to cross a road than it took the the time for the traffic lights to change. So this is not even you know looking at the most disadvantaged disabled uh, group. We're talking about the most healthy advantaged group of older adults who on average take longer to cross the road than it takes time for traffic lights to change lights. So these are the considerations, factors that we need to consider whenever we're thinking about healthy aging cities, active age-friendly cities, um, the design of public transport, the design of traffic light crossings. So much food for thought there. Uh, you mentioned sleep uh, a moment ago. Um, Many of us either do or don't necessarily always get, get, a, get as good a night's sleep as we might like as we get older. You know, why is it so important that we do? There are so many aspects to, to sleep, sleep duration, sleep quality, and the, the, the process by which sleep enables us to recuperate. It, you know, it, it sort of enables us to our physiological and biological systems to sort of recover from the, the stresses of, of waking life. But also in terms of our, um, uh, our brain activities, sort of a lot of memory consolidation happens when we, when we're asleep. So, so even when in later life, you know, our, our memory becomes you know even more important, perhaps. And so, um, so we, so so sleep is such a such a essential process for both our physiological, biological systems, but also our, our cognitive processes. And that's why it's so important in, uh, as people get older. Just finally, marriage has been shown to be good for us, but what about if we get married a, a second or a, a third time? Yeah, this is also what other colleagues in, in, in ICLS have shown, is that people who, uh, especially men who, who remarry, tend to be fitter and stronger than men who don't remarry. Now, this might sound as though remarriage uh, benefiting men more so than, than women and sort of fits in line with other research that shows that the, the health benefits of marriage appear to be much stronger for men than women. But uh, in, in this paper, we argue that uh, actually it's it's a selection effect. The, the reason why men are, you know, who, who remarry tend to be fitter is because they're, they're selected into remarriage. And it's likely that the same reasons apply for first marriages as well, that you know, it's, it's the fitter, stronger, healthier men who are selected into marriage rather than marriage having necessarily a disproportionately beneficial effect on the health and well-being of men compared to women. Just finally, I'd just quite like to ask you whether, you know, what your feelings are and whether it's never too early and never too late. I'm definitely on the never too late side of things because, uh, you know, I, I really don't want to give up on people. This episode of the ICLS podcast was based on research presented in the plain English booklet Never Too Early, Never Too Late, a summary of the centre's work and an explanation of its implications for helping people to live as long and healthy a life as possible. You can download the booklet for free from the ICLS website at www.icls.ac.uk.